Hey guys, and welcome to Fika with Rice, a podcast about life hacks, inspirational life stories, routines, and keys to success. I'm your host, Frederick Van Huyen, and each week I meet some of the most incredible people in the world from self-made millionaires, best-selling authors, experts, and world-class athletes. My goal is to extract their wisdom, mindset, tools, so you can use them in your daily life, but above all, to inspire you. Let's get this Fika started. Welcome to episode 24 by Fika with Rice. This week we meet Paul Getter, the internet marketing nerd who helps celebrities and companies build household names across social media. In this episode, Paul teaches us the importance of playing the long game, how important it is to have integrity and what separates the mega ultra successful people on social media and others. He talks about how he worked with Kevin Hart, Ty Lopez, Grant Cardone and many others. Are you looking to level up your social media? Then, this is an incredibly valuable episode with many gold nuggets on how to get started. Let's get this Fika started. This is Paul's story. Let's go. Paul, welcome to Fika with Rice. I am so excited to have you here on the show. You have a very niche background. I love the nerdiness. Very special expertise. And I can't wait to to ask all the questions that I have. Thank you very much, man. Thank you, Paul. And I wanted to start this episode with some rapid-fire questions something I've never done before here on the show. It goes like this. I'll make a statement and then you'll finish it with a sentence. You finish the sentence. Does that make sense? This could be dangerous. (laughs) It's okay. I I love dangerous. Okay, great, uh, great. If I was 20 years old, I would do... More fun things. Like what, for example? I would travel more. I love that. One of my biggest passions is is to travel. And I tell all the young people that, you know what? If you have $2,000 to spare, go and travel because you're going to see different cultures. going to really open up your mind. You yeah. Know? Okay, let's go on then. Yeah. The biggest mistake I made when I was in college was? Not building more relationships with people. Okay. Um, it's more than just the education, but it's the relationships while you're there. Where did you go to school, Paul? So I actually went to college at Indiana Bible College. My education is in theology. Nothing to do with marketing. I love that. Okay. Interesting. Very, very interesting. The best advice I received from my parents when I was young was... These are so tough. It's supposed to be rapid fire. So you're expecting a rapid response. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. I'm keeping you on your toes. Yeah. So my parents always instilled within me to work hard. Kind of really... I remember when I was younger, my parents had me convinced that I could be the president of the United States. I think work hard and you can accomplish anything. So you would say like they really built up your self-esteem and your self-confidence when you were young, so to speak? Yeah. We didn't have much, but I think that was something that we did have, that they made me feel valuable and important. I think that's really important, especially in today's, uh, today's world, you know, Paul? A lot of youngsters today, you know, grow up without actually a lot of self-love, a lot of insecurities. And that comes from somewhere, right? It comes from home, right? From the families. And I think I just became a father. And I think that's one of the pillars that I want to give to to my child that, you know what, doesn't matter how much money you have, but if you can give love and to say that, hey, I'm going to carry on my shoulders no matter what. And you're going to crush it in this world. It doesn't matter if you're going to become like a fireman or I don't know, yeah. like grass clipper person, like you're going to be the best at it and you'll do your Absolutely. best. So Absolutely. Awesome. 
okay, the biggest misconception about celebrities is that they're all happy. A lot of people think, oh, celebrities, they got this life. It's there. You envy to be them. But I have met many celebrities that have all the money you could ever want, but they don't have happiness. Happiness is really underrated. Oh, it's really, really underrated. Peace is more important than possessions. I agree. I'm a big re- uh, reader. I'm, I'm really into martial arts. And I read um, one of the books by Bruce Lee. And uh, Bruce Lee, he used to write down his goals, you know, and carry it in a, on a paper in his, in his pocket. And in that goal, his biggest goal was to have a peace of mind and harmony. Yeah. Peace is more important than possessions. Exactly. I think there's something that you cannot buy uh, with money. Yeah. Okay. I wish I knew when I was 25. The importance of mentors. The fastest way to accelerate your growth is mentors. Surrounding yourself. I grew up in a a low-income home. We didn't have much. So the concept of mentors, it really wasn't, you know, mentors. Now, when we think of mentors, it's like you, you pay someone to be your mentor, your coach, your consultant, but a mentor can be more than that. I mean, just finding someone that you can follow in their footsteps and you can grow from personally. I'm a big believer in mentors too, Paul. One thing that, one, one question I get a lot from young people is, well, I would love to have a mentor, but I don't know anyone. Yeah. How, what would you say about that? Like, how, how does one go about great. finding one without paying? Yeah, great, that, great, when great you question. pay, you know, it becomes transactional, you know? Absolutely. So, so here's the thing. Like, I get messages from young guys, and for that matter, people of all ages. They'll send me a message. Hey, will you be my mentor? And what they don't realize, being a mentor is work. It's responsibility. It's holding a person accountable. It's, it's that. What they're saying is like, teach me everything you know. You know, I want you to be my mentor. Well, that's kind of like me coming to a construction worker and say, hey, build me a house. You know what I mean? It's just like, it doesn't work like that. So the best way to do it is if you have a skill, if you have something that you're good at, find those people that you would like for you, them to be your mentor and go to them with your skill, with your talent, with your gift and say, hey, I'm a great graphic designer. I would love to design your graphics for you. No charge. What that does is that gets you in the door. That gets you close to that individual. And then you begin to build a relationship and that's free. Next thing you know, they're inviting you to their event. Hey, you've been such a great help to me. Why don't you come to my event? Why don't you, hey, I want to give you access to my courses. And they become a mentor just because you're adding value to them. I love that. That's very natural. Yeah, it and works works. too. And, and it can even turn into a, a paid position with yeah. that person. I uh, For some of the mentors that, that I really encountered but that became mentors in my life, it was natural like that. We yeah. were help. I was helping that person with something, and then next time I was in in uh, in town, I was like, "Okay, let's go for a coffee." And then you yeah. you're building relationship, right? And then it's Christmas, sending a Christmas card, and then yeah. it's like, "Well, you're not gonna bother this person every week, but you know, once in a while, you might be sending like, "Okay, this is a challenge I'm 
I'm dealing with and what do you think of this? And then, well, suddenly you have a mentor and mentor-mentee relationship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, Paul, you're the Dinted and Marketing Nerd and I love your background. And for those that, that are listening, there's an amazing Avenger collection of very high value, I understand, from Paul uh, in this background here. But in your Instagram bio, it says that you help people become household names and build seven to eight plus figure sales funnels for celebrities and the top 1%. What does that mean for those in the audience that don't know you, Paul? So basically, I say help people become a household name. It's taking the unknown individual and making them known and then well-known. So it's taking them from obscurity to um, what we would call celebrityness, whether it's a an online coach, consultant, a an aspiring actor or artist, musician. We help them build that personal brand, become a rock star. You know what I mean? So a lot of people they want to become a rock star, and then you know a lot of times people have this online presence, this persona, and they're you know they're rock stars online, but they haven't really learned how to leverage it and turn it into a lifestyle, an income, a a career. So we build systems for them that can help them monetize their online presence. I call it taking them from rock star to revenue, building that online personal brand, and then I'm turning it into something that can be a a full-time lifestyle and business. How did you become so great in this? First of all, thanks for saying I'm great in this, you know, that's, but In the online marketing world, what I've seen is a lot of people learn a few things online, get a small amount of success, and then they try to position themselves as the expert, the guru. I made $10,000 on Shopify. I'm going to teach you how to. And so that happens often in the online world. Well, one of the things that I have a huge advantage is, is, number one, my age. I've been in this a long time. I can say that I've been around before the internet. So I was doing MySpace marketing. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> I've uh, been doing it a long time. I've worked with some amazing people. And um, there's one thing that really separates me from an average person is my experience. Our agency, we've spent over $1 billion in paid ads. So that experience gives you knowledge and data that it may take people a lifetime to acquire that, but it's something that we've done over the years. Experience. Yeah. So I'm happy. I mean, I don't look very old, but I mean, I'm also before the the internet time, you know, I'm from that generation. And uh, yes, it is true, you know, like marketing today, I mean, and personal branding, it's, it's very different to what it was. 15 or 20 years ago, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When you started, Paul, like, do you remember who was your first client? So my first client was individuals that you probably had no idea. They were nobody famous, nobody important. When I, when I first got started, I had a friend of mine that was going off to college and they said, Hey, Paul, you need to get on Facebook. And I remember I jumped on Facebook and it was only out. It was like brand new. Facebook was like, Whoa, check this out. It's this brand new app, this brand new world. I remember jumping on there and I was like, ah, oh, this is just games. This is, you know, wasting my time. I shouldn't do this. And, but then I started playing around with it and I saw occasionally businesses would put, you know, a Facebook page 
out there. And so I decided to put a Facebook page out for my church and um, set that up and, you know, just put pictures and videos, information about it. And I remember as a few weeks later, I went to church and there was this new family there. And I said, where did you hear about us at? And they said, oh, we saw you on Facebook. And it was like a light bulb went off. I was like, whoa, these are real people that came from that Facebook thing that I made. So I guess you would say my first client was our church, unpaid. But then I just went to restaurants. And at this time, I think, you know, people understood, hey, this social media thing might be something we should be interested in. So a business would set up a Facebook page, but then they wouldn't do anything with it. So I would go to businesses and I would look and sometimes you would see on their menu, they would have like a little Facebook icon. And then I would get on my phone, I'd look real quick and I'd say, oh, they haven't even done anything with it. So I would talk to the business owner and I'd say, hey, I see you have a Facebook page. Are you getting clients or customers from it? No, no, we don't really know how to use it. Well, here I am. You know what I mean? Let me show you how to use it. And so my first clients were mom and pop restaurants and pizza shops, ice cream shops and things like that. Okay. And then down the line, you grow to bigger and bigger accounts. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And you start doing work for celebrities and big online personalities. So I, I was working with a client. It was actually, it was, a, it was another church because I figured out how to do things online for churches and stuff. So I was doing marketing for a church over in Los Angeles and uh, you know, just helping them get leads and sell books and things like that. And I remember one time I went onto the website and I started looking at this guy's website. Church was located in Beverly Hills. I started going through and I was like, this guy's got a lot of celebrities at his church. I was like, whoa, that's interesting. So I was like, I started giving him very special attention. You know what I mean? Like really going overboard, over delivering. And one of the guys in his church connected with me and I started doing business with him. And one day this guy who I was, I was helping him generate leads for his business. He went to the barber shop, get his hair cut. And the barber was talking with him. He's like, Hey, you know, how's everything going? He's like, it's going great. There's this guy over in Florida. That's where I live in Florida. There's this guy over in Florida. He's been doing some really interesting stuff for us online and things have been growing and, and stuff. And well, one thing led to another. The next person that sat in the barber's chair was Ty Lopez. So like I said, one thing led to another. People on his team started calling me up. And um, I think he was probably one of the first individuals that people would know of that I started working with. Okay. That's interesting. I remember when Ty Lopez started to be like popping up on the internet, you know, I think it was 2016 or 15, if, yeah, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So I was actually working with him before then. I remember I was at a, a conference and the speaker was talking and they said, anybody see this Ty Lopez guy? He's popping up all over the place. Who is doing his marketing? Who's behind this and stuff? At this time, I was kind of like behind the scene type guy. I didn't want anybody knowing what I was doing. I was just kind of real private. And um, they're just going on and on talking about Ty Lopez, this, Ty Lopez, this. And my friend sitting next to me, he elbows me. He's like, bro, they're talking about you. And I was like, I think maybe they are. I went up to the guy and I talked to him. I was like, you know, I've been managing Ty's online presence now for a while. You might be. I'm referring to some of the things that we're doing. He's like, let's talk. <laughs> That's amazing. 
Okay, so you talk about experience, and I'm coming from a humble standpoint right now, Paul. You know, but for example, like yourself, you know, you're not the rock, right? You're not a mega celebrity, and I'm looking at Instagram right now on my phone, and you have like 1.1 million followers. How do you do it? I mean, that's a dream for for a lot of students, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people out there, a lot of athletes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so any social social media platform, there are hacks, tips, and tricks to growing. One of the first things that you'll learn about social media platforms is be an early adopter. One thing you'll also notice about my Instagram is my Instagram handle is Paul, just P-A-U-L. So obviously I was an early adopter of Instagram. So I was initially known as the guy to grow your Facebook page. I would take Facebook pages from 100,000 or zero for that matter and build them to millions of followers within a short period of time. Done this for numerous companies, numerous personal brands, taking them to millions of followers through paid traffic, through shout outs, through organic strategies, a lot of different methods. So when Instagram first came out, I was like, I got to jump on there. People may not realize this is Facebook and Instagram were not initially connected. They were two separate companies. Facebook bought, yeah, Facebook bought Instagram, but I jumped on it and I was an early adopter. So I, with many social media platforms, what you see is when you first get started, the organic reach is amazing. And so anytime they release a new feature, jump on that new feature and you utilize that and you'll start to get a lot of organic growth. So quite frankly, the growth that I experienced was something that a lot of people, when they first got in, they experienced it too, just by, man, there used to be a day where you'd post a picture of food and use hashtag food. And next thing you know, you got 20,000 followers. You know what I mean? It's just like, it was crazy like that. So obviously things have changed, but I still invest a lot of time in resources and growing and good content. And I do a lot of conferences, podcasts and travel. And so that growth continues. It's very interesting what you're saying, you know, about being an early adapt adopter. Like we have TikTok that emerged a few years ago yeah. and Clubhouse that Clubhouse, I think is the yeah. latest. It hasn't grown as, as fast as at least what I assumed it would, it would grow. But there's a lot of people in the audience who would love, I mean, they, they really are into life lessons and tactical advices and they want to build a brand. Like someone like me, I have 4,000 followers on Instagram poll. People have 2,000 or 500 sure. or 200. Besides shout outs, besides ads, besides yeah. good content, what are some other tactical things that people can start be doing like right away? You named um, a couple of the common is shout outs, you know, paying people for shout outs. It works. It's slow. You know, sometimes it might work. I have another page that is called nerds. Like the handle is just nerds in E-R-D-S. And I've done no, like for, for Paul, uh, my Instagram handle, Paul, I've done a lot of tricks and hacks and things like that. Paid ads, giveaways, you know, that, that was, real big and people still do that. They call them giveaway loops where a big influencer or a celebrity, like we've done them with Kevin Hart and individuals like that, they'll be giving away a Tesla, but to be entered into this 
drawing for the Tesla, you have to follow these 20 people and then they tag it. And so you can pay for a spot in that giveaway and you can gain 50, 100,000 followers really like within two or three days. Uh, Then from there, if you look at nerds, nerds is just strictly repurposed content. What I do, and it grows, like it grows, um, not anything too crazy, but you know, it might grow five, 10,000 followers a month, which I think a lot of people, that would be pretty exciting to them. 100% real organic growth. And what I do on that page, and I do this with other pages too, and I see similar type growth, is I will find content that is viral. And what I mean by that is I will go through my explore page and find a video that's in my niche using the hashtags and stuff. And I'll find the one that has the most views, the most comments and everything like that. And then I'll just download that video. And then I post it on my Instagram. I always tag that account and everything like that, give them credit for it. But if you look on that page, it's 200,000. If you just scroll through, it's all reels. 90% of it is reels, Instagram reels. But you will see videos on there that have a million views, 2 million views, 5 million views. Well, when a video hits, like you'll probably, I do three posts a day and with the most viral reels that I can find. And I will probably have two or three videos a month that go viral that will get me thousands of followers from it. Because people, they will click on that video, they'll go back and be like, oh man, he's got a lot of really cool content here. And then what I, what I will do for that, for my own personal brand is I will, maybe like one in 10 videos, I will do one of my videos in there. So I'm like dropping it in there. It's authority through association. This is a reels with all these popular videos on there. And then all of a sudden I'm in there. So it's given me, it's aligning me with all these other viral videos too. So it's, it's great for branding. It's great for growth and, and it's fun. I think it's great content too. Okay. Okay. Thanks for explaining that. I was going to ask why do you have two accounts first of all, and then why you were like reposting these reels. But I think you answered the question I wanted to ask, which is. You'll also uh, see in that nerds page that I promote, like I have a, a book called 27 Side Hustles. I will promote that. So I capture leads, generates revenue and builds my audience further. But the idea is basically to associate yourself with these reels and these other brands or these other people, and then hopefully get that attention to your own personal brand, if I yeah, understand so you correctly. People, yeah, I can, I can push people over to my other page. I can, again, generate sales from it. I can, it's, it has a lot of different purposes. That's a very good tip for a lot of people out there. Paul, you've worked with a lot of brands. You mentioned Kevin Hart. I love his Instagram and his videos and his workout videos. They're very inspirational. I remember a few years ago when he ran the the New York Marathon. That was really, really awesome and super inspirational to follow his story. But for someone who's who's starting out, just graduated, or someone who just started his own company or her own company, how do you dial down on your brand and your content? For, For you, Paul, I mean... You come across as you, you you are this Marvel geek and you love that, you know, and the bow tie and all of that. But how about for those that don't like bow ties, don't feel comfortable in that in suits oh, no, or I don't know, don't have any passions uh, or whatever. Or how about someone like me? I'm a jujitsu geek. I love jujitsu, martial art. 
I'm a big Juventus fan in soccer. How do you dial down on your brand, so to speak, and how do you come across as authentic? Yeah, that's the that's the main word. Is you have to be authentic and true um to yourself. The bow tie and the glasses. This is like really me. Like I wear this every day. It's not like I you know take it off when I'm done. This is just like authentically who I am. I authentically like superhero. I like nerdy stuff. I am what they would call a nerd. I see that nerd as a superpower. It's kind of like every big company, every big brand, every big celebrity, they have a nerd that has worked behind them. And everybody needs that. I mean, you you recognize where your giftings are and what you are the best at. And then after that, you hire other people to do it. So I can tell you, Kevin Hart is not building his own website. Kevin Hart is not doing his own marketing. He's got a nerd behind the scene that is doing those technical things for him. So that's kind of, for me, I just embrace the obvious in my life. But I think for individuals who are trying to search that out, trying to fill it, fill where they fit is number one, determine where you can serve people the best. What is your own personal gift? What is your own personal superpower? And then you focus in on becoming the best at it. Here's one thing that I've seen about authentic brands is it never really starts out as someone promoting themselves as the expert. That's not reality. You don't just step out and say, I'm the expert. People identify that in you. I didn't come out like, hey, I'm the internet marketing nerd. People began to recognize that in me and I embraced it. People pointed to me and pulled me up on stage and said, hey, this is the guy that is behind the guys. This is the guy that has been building our brand. And so it was very authentic. It was not, it didn't start out. Obviously in branding, there is self-promotion, but it's not authentic self-promotion if other people haven't identified it first. That's where I think these gurus come across as fake or immature is because they're calling themselves the expert, but nobody else is. It's one thing when you call yourself the expert, the guru or, or whatever, but when other people recognize it means something completely different. So if I'm understanding you correctly, Paul, so let's let's do a case study then. So for example, Ty Lopez, right. if, I, if my memory is correct, he was famous. His gift was reading a lot of books. So what he wanted, because nobody knew him, he yeah. put out content. He, was, he didn't want to come across as an expert. He just yeah. wanted to put out content. Hey, I'm reading a lot of books. I'm reading a lot of books. You should read a lot of books. These are some summaries, basically. Is that yeah. what you're meaning? Like identifying what, what you're good well, at well, well, and then putting it out there? So here's the thing. I think there's probably certain attributes in our life that we do that make us unique. So emphasize that, you know, magnet magnify that. So fu- funny story about the infamous here in my garage video. A lot of people don't realize the story behind that video. For those that are listening or, or if you're not aware of that video. There's a popular video of Ty Lopez where he's in the in the garage. He's got the Lambos there. And he says, what's more valuable than college is knowledge. And he has a bookcase full of um, books in his garage, which is a weird thing for somebody to have 
couple Lambos there, and then a bookcase full of books in the garage. You know, normally books are inside the house in your library or something like that. Well, the story behind that is Ty had ordered a bunch of books and they arrived at the house when he was gone. And his brother Ben called Ty up and said, Hey, man, all these books arrive. What do you want me to do with them? He said, I don't know. Just put them in the garage. There's shelves in there. Just put them in there and I'll take care of them later. So it was not really intentional. Let me put these books here. It was kind of an accident series of events there, but it propelled him into what he's known for now. And he's authentically a very passionate reader and he's a wealth of knowledge. He kind of, he loves it. That's who he is. Okay, so for those out there listening in the audience, whatever gift, they need to identify their superpower, their super gift, like the Avengers, whatever they're good at, (laughs) and then put out as much content as possible. Don't pretend to be the expert. Wait for the audience to tell you that you're the expert. Absolutely. Okay, that's a good one. That's a very good one, like clear action steps on how to move forward. There's a lot of platform out there, Paul. You have LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok or some that we spoke about today, YouTube even. As a student, as a new entrepreneur, you might get overwhelmed. There's a lot of advice there who says you need to be narrowing down, maybe put all your eggs in one basket. What's your take on it? So it's whatever you can do. Let's be real. Not everybody can do, have the time for all the platforms to make the content for it, but it it really comes down. I I remember having this discussion with uh, Ty Lopez. And uh, he was saying, he said, you know, I see the most sales and the most leads come through Snapchat. I was like, really? I wouldn't have have thought that. So in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, Snapchat is the place to be. Let's be on Snapchat because he's getting a good ROI on Snapchat. Then I took a step back and I looked at all of his social media platforms and I saw Instagram, he posts a few times a week, Facebook, a few times a week. But when you went to Snapchat, he was posting four or five times a day. So the reason why he was getting the biggest bang for the buck on Snapchat is because that's where he was putting most of his time and attention. So yeah, wherever you can commit the most time, that's where you should put it. I think it is important for us to recognize that all of these social media platforms are free. So to put as much content out there as possible is great. But the reality is we don't always have enough time to do that. You can repurpose content from YouTube and splice it up and put it on TikTok and Instagram and everything like that. You know, Gary V teaches in his books as far as, you know, you have pillar content. So it's one piece of pillar content, then you cut it up and you use it and all the platforms. You can do that. My opinion on that is it doesn't always work as good if you're really operating in those platforms in a full focus way. Which platform is the easiest to build a brand, you would say, in the social following? Or does that even matter? Because yeah, what you're it, saying, Paul, was, okay, just, just put enough attention on one platform and that's where you're going to get results. I believe that's the answer is wherever you put the most attention is where it's going to grow the most. I hear people say, oh, do LinkedIn. Man, it's, there's so much on there and 
and stuff. You do have to understand the culture of each platform. You know what I mean? Uh, so that that is important. It's like what you would do on TikTok, you're not going to do on LinkedIn. And so what content appeals to people on each platform, that's probably the first step is you got to know this is the type of content that appeals to those followers on that platform. And you have to dial in and, you know, because every platform has trends, it has waves, you know, certain hashtags that are doing good, certain songs, certain things that you do. If you did this song and this hashtag on LinkedIn versus TikTok, it's not going to make sense. So it is important that the platform or platforms that you utilize, that you're a student of it and you're aware of how to properly uh, present your content to that. I like to call it a culture because every platform has its own culture. I completely hear you. The culture is changing and evolving as well. You know, I remember when LinkedIn um, was created, I was quick on it and it was just all about like professional things. And right now people are like posting about their dogs and their children. It's becoming a little bit more relaxed. You know, people have okay. the guard down and yeah, yeah. Uh, I like it. You know, I like it a lot. The culture, how it does evolve LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. And the reach, same, you know, it's still good. The same thing can be said about TikTok. TikTok was just for teenagers uh, a couple of years ago. Now you've got legitimate businesses that are on um, TikTok. It's true. I mean, there's 50-year-old lawyers, you know, on TikTok. Yeah, so. absolutely. I've seen lawyers, doctors, every profession on TikTok. When a couple of years ago, you're like, what is this guy doing on TikTok? But it is true. Let's talk about posting then, Paul. Like, uh-huh. okay, so a lot of people, like, when you go online, you're like, okay, what should I be posting? People always say, well, you need to be putting things that add value to your audience. But when yeah. you start off, First of all, you don't might not have an audience because yeah, everyone yeah. starts with zero, right? Is it better to post things that you think your audience would find value or you think somebody would find valuable? Or how do you keep it personable so people can actually resonate with you? Yeah, so that, you're that's, building that, your brand. That's a great question. If you scroll through my Instagram, you'll see a funny story in my Instagram on, on Paul because I was trying to figure it out. And I was my Number one goal was acquire followers the cheapest, easiest way. And which that can be a dangerous game because acquiring a lot of followers is not always the best goal. There's some people that can do more with 10,000 followers than an individual with 100,000 followers. So in my Instagram, you'll see a little story. You'll see when I first started posting, it was, it was pictures of food. It was pictures of you know, be traveling or whatever. And then you'll see a wave where I was posting viral cat videos, you know, and silly, goofy videos like that, that had nothing to do with internet marketing or who I was. But I was just like, I knew if I posted this viral cat video, I would get a bunch of followers from it. And my Instagram grew because of that. But then I have a bunch of people that are following me because of a viral cat video. <laughs> so there's a new post another viral cat video, you know, and everything like that. And I didn't want to be known as the internet marketing viral cat video guy, you know. <laughs> so I had to adopt 
and realize that for my audience, the people that I wanted to resonate and connect with, I had to provide content that they liked. And so here's a thing when, when we say providing value for content, a lot of people think that it's like, oh man, I've got I to wow them. I've got to educate them. I've got to show them some type of cool hacks. It really isn't that. It's just, I always tell people, think of it this way. Provide content that when a person wakes up in the morning, they're like, oh man, I got to go check out what Paul posted today. So it could be an inspirational quote. It could be something funny. It could be something of who you authentically are. And of course, you do want to have content that positions you as the expert or someone that is adding value in your industry. You make a very good comment about posting. You said, okay, let's say somebody posts in the morning or they post every day. Is there a specific schedule that you would recommend to the average person to follow? Like batching the post, maybe we're doing them every Monday or what's your take on that? What would you suggest? So a lot of times people, when it comes to making content, they make it maybe more complicated than what it is. You could probably take a couple hours and make a month's worth of content, you know, a post a day or something like that, just by writing it down. Of course, having someone that is good in graphic design and someone that can help you with videos and maybe a team that obviously speeds things up. But we tell people, don't be paralyzed by perfection. You don't have to be perfect online. Some I know there used to be this style, like you wanted your grid to look perfect and everything like that and just symmetrical and stuff. It doesn't matter. It's just about giving content. But each person, when and how much they would post, I think it would probably depend upon their audience. So when it comes to content, I think it's under, it's important for us to understand that you could probably do all your content for the month in just like two or three hours. I mean, if you sat down, took notes, found ideas, just Googling and find, looking at other people's content, get inspiration and then make your content plan for the month, you probably do it in just a, a few hours. Then from there on when to post and how much and stuff, I think that's kind of a case-by-case situation is really interesting when it comes to, say, for example, Instagram. I've seen some people, if they post videos, it does really good. But if they post just a picture, that does better. So it's kind of what your audience likes or they gravitate towards. That's what type of content you should do. And the same would be said as far as how much and at what time. What time you post versus what time I post is going to be completely different, just simply based upon your audience being awake or or asleep or things like that. It's true. I guess you'll have to just play around and and mix things up to see what really works for for you. Yeah, absolutely. Within Instagram, for example, there's analytics where you can actually see what post got the most engagements the most likes, comments, shares, everything like that. It shows you in the analytics. I always tell people, look at those analytics and see if there's a pattern. You might see that reels are doing amazing, that a video or a carousels that, and you can actually see by looking at the post, which one gets you the most followers. So all of those things, looking at your analytics can teach you a lot. When it comes to growing, for example, on, on Instagram, Paul, what would you say is the tactic that gives you the fastest growth, so to speak? We mentioned some in, in this episode, shout out, contest, 
and etc. Videos, reels. Yeah. What's the number one you would say tactic? So, I would say that the number one best quality follower would actually be from paid ads. Again, it's not the cheapest and it's not the easiest. And depending on your budget, it's not going to be the quick, the quickest. I've had clients come to me and say, Paul, I want a million followers. I want it to be this type of follower and, and give me, and they say, I want it done in four months. And I tell them, well, it's going to be a lot of money. It's going to be a million dollars or something like, go ahead, do it. So average person does not have a million dollars to spend on Instagram followers. But the strategy that we would use is we would go through a client's content and find the content that is doing really well. And then we would promote it, promote it with a call to action for people to follow. And the number one, like the pillar of growth when it comes to Instagram is you do have to have content. If you know anything about like, say, for example, Facebook ads, and Instagram ads, Facebook actually has the objective for ads that I can set up an ad and the core objective is to grow that Facebook page. And what happens is a person will be scrolling through Facebook and it'll have kind of like your profile picture and a little bit about your page. And all they have to do is just click the button like, and then you get another follower on your Facebook page. Person does not even have to visit your Facebook page to become a follower. So understand on Instagram, completely opposite. For a person to follow your page, they have to go to your page. So they're going to make a judgment. When they go to your page, they're going to scroll through maybe the first three or four rows. Yeah, I like their content or I don't like their content. And um, then follow you. So that's paid ads. A little ninja nerd trick that we've seen work is take, say, like page A. And page A, you're going to run ads from. And to run ads, your page has to be public. But then you have page two that you want to grow. You make that page private. And then you run an ad that says a little bit about the page B that you want to grow. And you have this ad that is running on page A, an amazing page, amazing content, and you tag the page that is private. And so what happens is people will go to that page that is private and they will follow. They don't even see the content. I've seen people where they do a viral video on page A. They'll do a viral video and right before the, the wow on the video, they'll stop it and they'll say, to see the rest of the video, follow this page. And then they'll make that page private. And so to see the rest of that video, you have to follow that page as private. So, so there's a lot of little tricks, but really when it comes to growing, I think one of the things that I, looking back, growing fast is not always the best answer. It's growing quality. When you say quality, Paul, what do you mean quality? Do you mean quality in terms of who's actually following you? Yeah, yeah. The quality of follower that you have, because again, like I said, it's it's better to have 10,000 very honed in, passionate followers of yours versus 100,000 that just followed you because you had a viral video. Yeah, that's very interesting. 
What's the biggest pitfalls then when it comes to building a social following? Because you worked with Kevin Hart, yeah. Ty Lopez. Maybe you can name a few others for those in the in the audience that don't know. But what's the biggest bit, pitfall that you've seen when you build a social following that often sure. is not spoken about? Yeah, so like you said, I've worked with some amazing people. Ty Lopez, Grant Cardone, Bob Proctor, Les Brown, Kevin Hart, Kevin O'Leary. Just a, you know, a, a list list of names. Here's the scary thing about these social media platforms and growing a following is you don't own them. It's not yours. I've seen it. Like when when we first started building Facebook pages, if you had a million followers and you posted on your page with a million followers, you'd get a million likes. You'd get a million comments. The organic reach was amazing. So people would invest a lot of money, a lot of time in building these Facebook pages. And then one day Facebook said, hey, we're changing our algorithm. And a page that has a million likes, a million followers that would normally get a million likes on every post now only gets 10,000 likes. And so people will go to that page and they'll be like, oh man, they got a million followers, but they're only getting a few thousand likes, must be fake likes. It's not always the case. Sometimes the platforms change their algorithm so you've invested all this time and money and it was working good and it was a great investment until they flip that switch and things change. I think every social media platform in my experience has gone through phases where organic reach is amazing just and then things change and to grow becomes more difficult and, and everything like that. So that's a pitfall. Okay. How was yeah. it to work with Kevin O'Leary? Well, for those in the audience who don't know Kevin O'Leary, by the way, yeah, he's one, he's Mr. Wonderful in Shark Tank. Some of the, some of the entrepreneurs that we've worked with, we work in various capacities. I think with um, Kevin, we did consulting for his products and um, services. The one thing that it looks great on your resume to say that you've worked with, you know, these big name people, um, which it's always an honor and really amazing. But sometimes your interaction with them is quite limited. A lot of times you're working with their team. I'm working like we, uh, for him, we worked with, you know, probably he an agency that was working with him and, and things like that, helping him promote conferences. A lot of things people don't realize about Kevin O'Leary, he does conferences all over the world where he teaches and um, coaches people in that. So, yeah, but... It, it's always cool to be able to say, hey, you've worked with them and stuff, but the interaction that you would have, well, I can say like Kevin Hart, I've actually sat down and had dinner with him, which I thought that was pretty cool. But Oh my I, God, that would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Not that I would be starstruck, but I mean, he just seems to be a really, really cool guy, you know, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's, that's the funny thing. So if you go to my Instagram, you'll see I have pictures and videos of a lot of the big name people that I've worked with. Kevin Hart, I don't have a picture or a video with because literally I'm having dinner with him. He's, I'm right here and I can reach over and touch him on the shoulder. I shake his hand. I'm, you know, like right there as close as you can get with him. But there was this, in my mind, I didn't want to be like this starstruck fanboy. There's like, Mr. Hart, let me get my picture with you. I didn't want to come across that way. I remember I was sitting there with. Uh, one of my friends who helped make the introduction, um, his name is Alan. He's sitting here on this side. And I'm saying to him, like, bro, man, 
we need to get a picture with him. We need to get a picture with him and stuff. He's like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. Because we saw as we're sitting there at dinner with him, people would come up that were on his team or friends of his. Hey, man, can I get a picture? And so we're like, okay, it wouldn't look so bad because everybody else is getting pictures that we. So I was like, hey, let's get a picture. And we're like, and then all of a sudden, like two minutes before we were getting ready. He's like, oh, man, I got to get going. I got a flight taken out. Like. And so we were never able to get a picture, but I sat and had dinner with him and stuff. So yeah, it was a very cool experience. First of all, Paul, I compliment you uh, for being honest and real about how it is to to meet with celebrities and say that you worked with them, but you had limited like time with them because yeah, yeah. very yes. often I, I talk to people and they put on LinkedIn or Instagram that, hey, I worked with, I don't know, like Rihanna. And then yeah. you're like, yeah, how was it? To meet with her and they're like oh no i actually never met her but i worked with her team, you know and they tried to like put it under the carpet yeah yeah all the people that i stated that i work with i've actually met them either online or shaking hands with them and stuff like that so i did have access but you know sometimes it's a quick zoom call you know 20 30 minutes or whatever and it was 10 other people on the call and you're just giving your feedback so it is limited other people like Akon, the artist Akon, talk to him on a regular basis, things like that. Ty Lopez, I'm good friends with him. I've talked to him on, on a regular basis and, you know, we've done dinner more times than I can count. And same thing with Grant Cardone. You know, I was in his office two, three times a week for over a year consulting, working with him. So these Bob Proctor, Les Brown, Les Brown, I've hung out at his house and stuff. So a lot of the big name entrepreneurs in the space. I've. It's more than just a, a quick photo shoot. This is what I, I've seen the same thing where people like, oh, I work with Grant Cardone. And what they really mean is they were kind of like that uh, guy who wanted Grant Cardone to be their mentor. And they did some graphic designs for him for free. And they say, I worked with Grant Cardone. Well, you did some volunteer work with Grant Cardone. I always tell people, I'm like, show me the contract. How much money did you make working with these guys? That's what really matters. What's the biggest life lesson you learned from Kevin Hart and from Akon? So I'll give you an example of how I got the relationship with Kevin Hart. Very similar to the advice that I gave to being a mentor to them. So I met Kevin Hart through a gentleman by the name of Boris Kojo. Boris Kojo, if you look, he is on TV series with a TV series with Kevin Hart called The Husbands of Hollywood. So we actually did marketing for Boris. Boris is not as popular as Kevin, but we did a lot of good stuff for Boris. And we did it just to build relationship. We weren't our primary motive was not to make money from it, but we knew that if we could build a relationship with this, it could open doors to other people. When when we finally got to meet Kevin and talk with him, you know, he was wanting to build out a clothing line brand and stuff. And so he's like, put together a proposal. And I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to build this. And, and I kind of laid everything out. He's like, well, how much? I said, no, we're going to do it for free. He's like, really? And I said, yeah, just we'll split a percentage of the profits. We'll get a percentage of the profits of whatever we generate in sales for you. 
he came back later. He, he accepted it, but he came back later and he told me, he's like, you know, the last company that did stuff for us, they charged us something like $100,000 to build this website out for us. They built it. And then when it was all done, we never heard from them again. He said, you showed me that you were interested in success more than just making a quick dollar. So that went a long way. And that has built a lot of great relationships with these individuals is that I was willing to put my work on the line. Like you don't pay me unless I make you money. That's kind of how we establish a lot of these relationships. Is that something that was instilled in you early on in your life? Like something you learned from your parents or some, some from your mentors or how did that come across? Because I resonate a lot with that yeah. from my own like uh, entrepreneurship my entrepreneur journey that I'm always for the success. I don't really care about the upfront payment. I think that is, man, it's just the only way I feel good about it is like, let me prove myself. Let me, you know, because there's, obviously I have an agency where we do charge monthly retainers and, and things like that. But to establish a relationship with someone at a high profile like that, I understand that there's this huge gulf of trust that you have to be able to cross. And so the easiest way to do that is take the risk off of them and put it all on me. And when you do that, people can't say no to that. Is when you're like, hey, all the risk is on me, then it makes a win-win relationship. That's a really, really great life lesson. How about Grant Cardone? Because I, I, I read his book back in 2013 when he okay. was not very famous. It was called okay. the 10X Rule. Yeah. And he had this very, um, I mean, he had this YouTube uh, show with his wife and it was really yeah. I'm a, like on an amateur level. Yeah, he has really gr- blew, blown up the last yeah. few years. What are some of the life lessons you learned from him? Grant's a, an interesting guy. Grant is one of these I remember doing projects for him and we would start like, for example, that book, there's a book funnel, the millionaire booklet. We built the funnels for that and ran ads for it. And I remember when we first got it going, we'd say to him, he's like, Hey, these are the numbers. There's not a really big ROI on this. And he'd be like, who cares about ROI? Just get as many of those books out there as possible. So he had this crazy fanaticism about, look, just get my message, my brand, my face out there to as many people and the ROI will catch up later. So he understood the the value of a personal brand, just being everywhere. That was number one thing that I, I learned from him. And then number two that I always look back and I kind of laugh about is from a tech nerd type guy, we like to use words like optimize, optimize the funnel and then start to scale up and stuff. I remember one time I was telling Grant, he's like, why aren't we spending more? Well, we're optimizing the funnel. He's like, I don't care about optimizing. And, and he said, how we do it is we change the tire on the car as it's driving hundred miles per hour down the road. I'm like, okay. So in other words, he's like, I want to go as fast as possible. If you have to fix things, you don't pull over on the side of the road and stop the car. You keep the car going and you fix it as you're going. So really interesting. I learned a lot. And that side of him taught me a lot in growing an agency and a business. 
So you would say Grant, he always had this idea to this vision of building a big, big personal brand from the beginning then, from the get-go, yeah. so to speak, at uh, all costs, so to speak. At attention is currency. Attention is currency. When you have attention, you convert that into currency, into money, into whatever you want. That's a very good quote. Attention is currency. I have a last question for you, Paul. What do you read in your free time? What's your favorite blog or what's your favorite book? Okay, so I'm not in my office with all my books, but I can tell you I've got a few books. Books I like. I like Russell Brunson's books, you know, Expert Secrets, Traffic Secrets, all his secrets. I always think that's funny is people, if it's a secret, why are you writing a book about it? But that's how marketers are. Um, Speaking of secrets, um, here's another book, probably not known by a lot of people, but this is called Solomon's Secret. It's basically financial wisdom from King Solomon, biblical perspectives. Another one that I'm reading is Business Secrets from the Bible, written by a Jewish rabbi. Another cool one. This is a really cool book. I think your audience would love it. Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. I think you like you mentioned in LinkedIn profile that his four-hour work week was something that revolutionized your life. This is a really cool one because it's not a difficult read. Each chapter is kind of like life hacks from experts. It's a, it's a cool book. So that's just a few books I like. I love the, uh, by the way, just the fun comments. You, you're really about the secrets book. <laughs> like all the titles, they're all about secrets, secrets. If it's a secret, why are you putting it in the book and telling everybody? People, marketers can't keep secrets. Yeah. Don't tell, don't really tell funny. a marketer anything unless you want everybody to know about it because we know they write books about secrets. That's three of the books you mentioned that secrets in their title. I'm going to write a book, all the other marketers' secrets. <laughs> <laughs> at Tools of Titans, I have the same book at home. I love it because it's a book that you read like a few chapters and then you're like, okay. That's great. And then maybe a month later, you'd be like, all right, let me find something about fitness. I reread this chapter about stretching the other day because I want to work on my stretching, for example. And I love that. And then, you know, there's business advices and all of that. And it's, it's a huge book. It's a great read. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, where can people find you to learn more about you online? So the easiest way, we probably said it a couple of times here in this podcast, is my Instagram. My Instagram is Paul. Just P-A-U-L, send me a message there, connect with me. My website is paulgetter.com. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show, Paul. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot and I hope, I'm sure our audience learned a lot as well from this chat. So thank you. It's my pleasure. Stay connected, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Fika with Rice. I hope you enjoyed the show. Who do you want to have on our show? Let us know by sending me an email at frederick at absoluteinternship.com. And before you go, if you like this conversation, don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube or Spotify to get to listen to more inspirational stories and life hacks. We really appreciate it. See you next time and much gratitude for listening.